story I was going to tell is about a really, really shitty kind of job interview, kind of job orientation that I went through about a year ago. I, I've been listening to Street Fight for like a couple months now, but uh, they, I, I thought you guys would love this story. So, have you ever heard of a company called Ohio Citizen Action? Yes, I have. Yeah, I, I, I used to. Uh, I used to work for a place when I worked in the chemical industry, and uh, my boss hated OCA. Okay, <laughs> why did your boss hate? There it? you go. <laughs> because fucking. Okay. Uh, whenever news about poisons. Whenever the company would release toxins to the environment, they're like, "Oh, the fucking Ohio Citizen Action is <laughs> getting mad again." <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that's good, but in reality, Ohio Citizen Action is a fucking terrible company. There's like these companies are all over the country. They're in Ohio. They're in every fucking state. There's a something Citizen Action, right? Just, and they say they're like an environmental charity. Yeah. But what it really is, it's one of those companies amounts. where you go door to door until you find some lonely old person who will talk to you, and you just fucking suck money out of them nonstop. It's terrible. Um. So I worked. Uh, well. I didn't work there, but I interviewed for an internship there before I really knew what they were and what they were about. And I go to the interview, and it's a pretty regular interview for the first part. And like at the end of it, they were like, hey, man, we really like you. Uh, come back for a second interview. And the second interview is literally just a day of unpaid work. Right. Like, you go around yeah, doing shit with that. And yeah, and that, that's all over the place. I'm like, fuck that. And uh, Wait, can I ask? So I was that... Was that day of unpaid work just you following a person around while they knocked on doors? Oh, yeah, 100%. That was exactly what it was. Um, and so, yeah, no, you're right. So I get there for this uh, for this interview where I'm supposed to, you know, do a day of unpaid work. And I meet, like, the guy I'm supposed to be following around. And he's, like, he's actually like, a pretty cool guy. We talked about, like, old sci-fi books and shit. Um, but, um they take us out, and I thought they had, like, kind of implied to me that we were going to be canvassing. I go to school in Cleveland, and they kind of implied to me that we are going to be canvassing one of, like, the, you know, like, kind of bougie, nice suburbs around Cleveland. Yeah. And so we get in the car, and the dude driving the car just pulls up these fucking printed map quest directions, and he's like, all right, we should be about, we should be there in about an hour and a half. And I was like, where the fuck are you taking me? And yeah. this is, like, this is the middle of February. And um, we go there, and I follow this dude around for like six hours of unpaid work uh, from about, probably from about like 3 to like 8.30, I'm following this dude around. And he just, uh, and at the end of it, he just hands me a clipboard, and he's like, I, you know, I think you really understand this shit. Like, how about you go try like canvassing that street? And I like go down the street, and I go to one of the houses, and I like knock on the door. And I start giving the speech and shit, and the guy, the, the guy who answered the door looks at me, and he's just like, kid, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, you're right, man. I'm not even getting paid for this shit. Like, you mind if I wait inside your house and I call it Uber? He was a super nice dude. He let me. And I realized, like, what? They didn't, like, <laughs> wait, you contact. bailed on the job? The they guy didn't... called you on it, and you just bailed on the job? I, I was kind of realizing, okay, yeah, I think I told this story a little fast. There was sketchy shit all day. So, like, in the car ride down there, right, there was, uh, there was this one woman, and her job title was foreman, and she made everybody refer to her as, like, the foreman. And uh, I like she that. was, like, uh, she was, yeah, that's actually pretty badass. But <laughs> he goes, um, she was, like, okay, so we have, like, regulated conversations in the car ride. 
out there. Like, and she literally had this like printed off list from like the job, uh, from like the head office of like the company and stuff, uh, of, of like what we could talk about. And she was like asking all these questions and giving all these answers. And every time somebody got asked a question, they'd give their like observation. The observation was what they called it, but it was like, um, whatever the date was where you did like the unpaid day of work and people, would, it was really, this really culty shit where people would be like, Oh, my, my name's Mark. My observation date was like May 2015. Oh. And, uh, and I was like, this is weird, man. This is fucking weird. And so they, you know, I do that and I'm going around with this guy and I'm just not really doing anything. And like, I'm thinking in the back of my mind, like what the fuck is going on here? And it ends with, you know, me like, abandoned in, like, you know, some random street outside of Akron. I had no idea where the fuck I was. And, uh, and I was, like, and I, like, knock on the street door, and he's, like, what the fuck are you doing? And I was, like, yeah, man, just, just fuck this. And, uh, so, yeah, that was about the shittiest job orientation experience I've ever had. I, I actually... That's a bad one. I actually That's did kind of the same one. thing. I told, I've told the story, but... And it's odd. You told me, I've heard you tell a similar story. Yeah, I told a story about me being driven out an hour and a half away from Columbus to try to switch people's gas bill. Oh, you were an energy yeah. you were an energy slammer? <laughs> yeah. I didn't that do is, it. You, I, were work, you were doing the same thing, but you were working for the fucking devil. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm just talking about you. Every I was advertising. Pause, it was like, oh, God. You yeah. were just yeah, giving... Dude, you were so just, awful, but, you're just giving people an opportunity for a better rate. <laughs> yeah, they told me it was an advertising job. And the fucking goddamn one ad said, do you like heavy metal music? Do you think tattoos and piercings are cool? And I had like my eyebrow piercings at the time. I was like, hell yeah, they're tight. Yeah, man. Yeah. What do you do? You try I'm to start a band or something? Do you want to work in a work environment that believes in heavy metal principles? I'll yes, do, I'll obviously. I'll do lighting or something for a show. <laughs> They did the same thing to me. Like, all the ads were, like, you know, no job duties, and it was all just, like, hey, man, like, we like the environment. Like, we think big corporations are, like, evil and shit. And, like, you show up, and then it's just, like, fucking fat is yeah. what you've got. And I'm like, oh, man. It's and they drive you an hour and a half away. And it's mostly fundraising. I mean, I've been, yeah. I've been dragged into those things where I signed up for, like, $15 a month, and then, then they call, and they're like, you know, we really appreciate that $15 a month, but we need a little bit more to make a big push. That's and funny. I'm like, no, just figure out yeah, what no, to do with the, the 15 thing. It's like, like, whatever you can get people to sign up for a month to month, that's enough. Don't call us. Don't. I know. How about you not hire people to call? Yeah. Yeah. It was a similar thing. It was like uh, their script that they gave us was kind of like a, like a flowchart type thing. And if somebody was just like, no, like, fuck off. I don't care about the environment. I'm not going to give you money, whatever. Then you just, like, fuck off. But if somebody's, like, I mean, yeah, like, I'll give you a couple bucks. There was, like, all these, like, more, um, there was all these more, like, segments of the script that just made you, like, yeah. uh, keep adding them on, like, a couple bucks and a couple bucks. And I was, like, yeah. oh, dude. That's even really, really changing Walrus's life for $15 a month. <laughs> That's right. I would $50 a month. When I was broke as hell and they would come to my door, I would hand the motherfucker a 20 and they'd be like, we're really asking people for like minimum $50 de oh, donations yeah, now. And I'm like, like oh, we're oh going to get that for God. me, man. Yeah. yeah. 
He's like, I can't even sign you up for twenty dollars, and I was like, please don't sign me up. I think I win. I just paid dreamed me out of this. I paid you twenty dollars to leave me alone. Because I'll do that, man. Sure. Yeah, I signed up for the goddamn. It's like, it's like, what is it? The trailer bark boys scene. Like, I'm gonna pay a hundred bucks to fuck off. Some child came to my doorstep and was selling newspapers and was like, it goes to my college. And I'm just like, I want this kid to have college if he's really looking to have college. So I signed up for the paper and they pestered me on every possible digital meet. Like they emailed me, they texted me, they called me on the phone. They're just like, you know, we'll, we'll pay you $15 and Applebee's gift cards. Just please say you want more paper. <laughs> like they were bugging me. So hardcore. And I'm just like, I only did this, you know, I paid $20 and that kid probably got $3 for his college yeah. fund. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, you I'm know, you know what I They're like to do, you know what I like to do, Brett, is when they have, uh, when a kid, uh, and it's always like an older teen, when they come to the neighborhood and they're clearly running a scam. And this only happens like once or twice a year, but they're like running a scam. I will always, I'm like, you got it. Yeah. Like you got, you had yeah. the idea, you had the plan, yep. you came out to my neighborhood and like. You earned that doing. fucking money. Yeah, yeah exactly. You, I'm give you five or 10 bucks. Yeah, Cause you, like you had, you had the hustle and you go and you spend the money on, on right. what you want. You yeah. invested yeah. all this money into movie theater boxes of candy. And you came to my <laughs> yes. house and told me you do yes. have a basketball organization that you're raising money yeah, for. I mean, that's not even a scam. You bought it for a dollar and sold it no, for five. That's no, not a scam, right? No, it's not. No, no it's, it's entrepreneurship. Not, it is. It is. No, and I'm like, fuck it, because yeah. I'm going to eat the candy. Right. right? I want the that candy right good. now. Hey, I'd have to walk across this fucking... Right, know, and it's one thing... We always get hit at ComFest. Like There's this outdoor festival park where all, always kids are running through with a box full of like Mike and Ikes. And I'm like, you know what? This fair food ain't shit. I'd rather have something I know. Give me yeah. some Mike and Ikes. <laughs> yeah, for sure. $5. <laughs> and what's the big problem? If I, think even if thing, I think it's one thing, though, when you, get, like, when you get like kids running through the neighborhood who are just like trying to sell box. It's like, okay, you came up with this shit yourself. Like, I'm going to throw you the money. Like, you've earned it. But the other thing is like, Ohio Citizen Action and all its, like, you know, sister organizations is, like, just such this, like, big, like, corporate, like, blood-sucking entity that, like, that pissed me off, you know? Oh, yeah. yeah, Oh, yeah. No, yeah. I mean, they're they're worse. I mean, they're worse than somebody buying candy and selling it to you for more because it's convenient. And I mean, they're lying and they're, right, not, yeah. they're not working towards anything except for paying the bills next month. They're like, we need to raise enough money to keep the lights on here and pay my salary. Gotta pay, gotta pay the fucking CEO and the board of directors' right. salary. You know? Exactly. Right. Right. There's a lot of people that are doing a lot of good and making six figures a year and they want to keep that kind of entrepreneur activism going. And if the kid... It, and if the exactly. kids are lying about having a basketball team, I mean, really, like, uh, for example, nine ninety nine a month for the WWE Network, and they supposedly they get they do give to charity. That money does saw, go to Connor's Cure. You know I what I mean? When we were in Vegas on the strip Saturday night, eleven thirty p.m., I saw a forty year old TGI Fridays dad buying a mixtape. 
and like dapping up the guy and be like, yeah, no, man, that was fire, man. And he $20 for one of the not even real CDs, the half slim case. Dude, but that's like, like a CDR. That's like hustle, man. That's real that's money out there doing like real work to <laughs> that's make true. that money. Yeah. No, that's, I respect you know, that. Like, you know what? Even if it is some degree like a scam or whatever. The last time I was in New York, I got hit up for mixtapes and like i bought them i was right. like i was like fuck it there's That's nobody there's nobody selling cds there's nobody like rapping for me on the street give me a line sell me a cd for like 10 bucks it was right. like because i was in it was a long time yeah, ago. most of the other music you just sit around and wait for journalists right, so, to put so, on like a spotify a list. yeah right a couple years ago my senior year of high school we um uh like my high school did this trip every year I where we like went out to New York City for a long weekend and one this one kid got had like a boom box with like a CD thing in it and he got everybody to just be like alright listen like uh, go and like buy CDs from all the guys on the street and like we did it we would give these guys like you know five ten bucks for the next day the whole way home we just fucking that kid just busted out that boom box and just bumped that shit at That's like awesome. max volume it was See, hilarious that's great Right. It was great. Better than regular radio music, just shit that's piped into your head. Right. Well, and, and like I bought exactly. one for 10 bucks, and then the guy was like, for another 10 bucks, I'll autograph it. And I was like, wow. <laughs> I don't need that. Okay. I'm not an autograph collector, an sir. Investment. Thank you. <laughs> you are a gambler, though. I'm not an autograph collector, though. I'm not a memorabilia. Me and Brett went to the Pawn Stars Pawn we Shop. We did. We went to Gold and Silver Pawn. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, it they was had a lot of cool stuff. They had the coolest shit, dude. Did they really? Cool yeah. shit. Jesus. Do you really like the guys in the show? I mean, I like. I laugh. So the thing I. I learned this in Vegas. Uh, well, not in Vegas. Probably in Phoenix or something like that on the last tour. Uh, we were watching Pawn Stars in our first part of the tour a lot and i noticed that they like make them read wikipedia's now basically where they're like where, where like you know rick's dumbass son will be standing there and he'll be like well actually these kind of swords were used in the crusades when they, and then start like, the reading the facts the right so this is this is like pawn stars uh season 87 or yeah. something well, yeah it, but it is there's a moment i guess it's i guess it's funny because it's been on for so long and i remember like my suburban ass in-laws and girlfriend's parents that were so into it but now you realize it is so naked where they're just like in 1927 the hoyle company was known as brown and bigelow you know and you're like <laughs> you did not know that off the top of your fucking head dude you did not know that's the first sentence on wikipedia when you look it up <laughs> i think so it'd be better if none of those guys like knew shit like they have, they have experts for like knowing shit like the guys on the show are just there to like fucking be funny and like do stupid shit like i don't want them to know stuff like you know yeah i love i like, like i don't want like telling math. me like the history of the oil company i like when rick is like <laughs> i gotta make money on that thing <laughs> he does that like gritted teeth thing where he's just like i give me the damn product you know well, hey, man, thanks for calling in. I appreciate you. Well, yeah, wait, hang on. Before I go, can I make some real quick plugs? Yep. Um, first of all, you guys were talking about reading some theory last week. Uh, I've been getting into this book uh, about income inequality. It's called Capital in the 21st Century by Thomas Piketty, the French economist, which, you know, like, fuck economist, but, like, whatever. Yeah. Uh, it's been a really good book. Uh, it does a lot of good stuff about equality. But um, more importantly, 
I'm, I live in Charlotte, and uh, I'm trying to work with the uh, Food Not Bombs chapter. They're deactivated for the moment, but um, we are doing an organizing meeting at the Common Market in Charlotte Tight. to try to get it like back going and back like serving people food again. Uh, so if you're in the area and like street fight and you like that kind of stuff and think, you know, everybody deserves to eat food, like come to that. Uh, but yeah, and again, thank you guys for having me. It's been Yeah, and how do awesome. they get in contact with you? Um, you would, I would go to the, uh, the Facebook page is just food, not bombs, CLT. I got in contact with a guy there earlier today. He said he made an event, uh, for the meeting on Tuesday morning. CLT? But CLT. Okay. And you would think it was CHR, right. but that's my opinion. I'm not right. No, that's shit. that's yeah. the weirdest thing about baby. <laughs> it sounds like a chicken CLT lettuce tomato sandwich. sandwich. Is CLT? Yeah. Is that chicken <laughs> lettuce <laughs> tomato? Yeah, it's, it's, like a, it's like a lighter than the bacon. It reminds it's me like a, of a dirtier thing. CLT. Yeah, I thought it. I yeah. Anyway, well, now if we end up there, I'm gonna go put eyes between the L's and the <laughs> yes. like. <laughs> Thank you guys for having these. I love these call-in shows. I'm, like, geeking the fuck out that I got to be on here. Like, you guys are awesome. What you're doing is awesome. Uh, hearing from other people who do way, who do, like, really cool stuff on these call-in shows is uh, really inspiring. And uh, thank you guys. Hey, you're welcome. Have yeah, a good have a night. Good Peace out. Doing stuff is, you too. is good. Yeah. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Street Fight Radio. Call in with a very special last-minute guest. Wow. We pulled the audible. I did it. I, I really made it in. Against all odds, I made it in. Just like Tupac. Just, just like Tupac. Against all odds. <laughs> yeah. Jack Allison is here. Uh, airport be damned. All of the Tom Fuller yeah, retires and shit. I got, a, I got a stomach virus yesterday. You know, that I, too. I, was, I was shitting my pants all day yesterday. <laughs> Trials so and tribulations. Literally to the degree, this is no joke. Uh, uh, you know, I was so scared of taking the plane today. My wife bought me like diapers, and I'm and I'm, and I'm currently now wearing a diaper. I wore it on the plane. They have some pretty sporty models. It's not bad. They're not yeah. that uncomfortable. Yeah. But I, I like you know, I was like so scared because I was shitting myself yesterday, and I was like, well, she was like, that's it, and I was like, you know, that's what you wear them for, I guess. Yeah, so, hey, that's what you do. It's better than than taking a stack of toilet paper and right. just stuffing it between your there butt cheeks. There exists. That's called a muffler. <laughs> there, there exists a device for when you're afraid you're going to shit yourself and yeah. it's available at any drugstore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, better than than ditching your underwear in an airport bathroom yeah, or trying no to get fun, it no sucked fun. down that I'll fucking you, hole. There were there were no there were no mistakes. There was nothing. There was no issues whatsoever. <laughs> the the diaper is unblemished, but uh, uh, I did wear a diaper. Well, we got some folks that want to hear from us. They have some they have questions and stories. Uh, we uh, we have to get this thing done in a timely manner. So we're going to give you 6 minutes and 66 seconds before we got to give you the light and get it rolling. Uh, this call in queue is full. Thank you everybody for being here. If you want to see the live struggle session in Street Fight, it is happening tomorrow night in Indianapolis, Indiana. It's happening Tuesday in Detroit, Michigan, and it's happening Friday in Chicago, Illinois. You can find all of that information at streetfightradio.com on the main page there. The left side is going to have the newest episode. The right side is going to have all of your links that you want to click on to get your tickets and make sure that you're there. We are not in control of some of the ways these shows are run, so you should buy tickets now because they're going to add $5 to the day of or $2 or something because they feel like 
they I know it's like marketing like yeah. it sucks to be with these people because like we have to control these right. people we got to make them I mean, buy they're, them they're now. allowed to they're allowed to have yeah. more money so that's why they do it they right? go yeah. for it yeah <laughs> they're like we're gonna make them buy it now otherwise we're gonna make them pay and yeah. it's like well i mean they were gonna show up like that's the problem with doing the show is that we we pitch everybody on it and they're used to bands they're using all these other things and they really are concerned like you mean some a lot of people are going to show up to watch you, or like people are going to pay twenty dollars to go to see your show? Or you're kidding me? And it's I'm like, a, yeah, 150 fucking people showed up to see it and paid twenty dollars. I know? do have a theory on this, and uh, I'm sure a decent amount of these bookers have been burned by a podcast. Yeah, I said like some local fucking show came and said we're going to do a live podcast it's huge it's the new radio yeah. <laughs> and they came fucking rolling in there and 15 people showed up right. and they're like okay because when we first started booking shows they were like we don't do podcasts yeah and it was yeah. like uh i i kind of don't I, I i think you're missing out yeah but i also understand <laughs> what's going on here you know it has to be better than a band no, I mean some easier. bands rock. Easier, 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 yeah. way easier. Yes. Yeah, yeah. All right. Let's see who's on the line here. Let's take our first call. Thanks for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to tonight? Hey, what's up? It's Jordan from Baltimore. Howdy. What's up, Jordan? How's it going? I saw you guys a couple weeks ago in DC. Nice. Um, that was a good show. Yes. Speaking of that venue stuff, I was thinking with that, like they didn't even give you guys the the main stand up stage. I know. Which was downstairs. Uh, we hey. may have re we may have told them we didn't want that stage. We <laughs> may have said that we didn't want to do that stage because we felt as though two shows on the first night of that tour was better than one show because. We were terrified about timing. <laughs> we, and so this was, is this is not more anti-podcaster bias. No, well, it wouldn't. Have, it would have worked. So what happens is, I if you get a room that's a certain size, yeah, uh, and you sell out that room, then people just aren't going to get in. If you can't sell two, right? Like, so it's either sometimes it's more beneficial just to do two. Yeah. Instead of one. But I don't remember what the reason... There was reasoning behind doing the room we did. And I can't remember what it was. But I don't... But it probably was a mistake. You know? <laughs> they did... The woman that worked at the counter... She was re very mean at first, we thought. And then ended up being very I nice. liked her. And, well, she was just like yelling at us the whole time. <laughs> well... She's, yeah, she was telling somebody... One of our listeners like, Yeah, Louis C.K. was here recently. And I was like, This is like the wrong <laughs> <laughs> what's up jordan Hi, uh, what's going on tonight yeah uh not much um i'm super psyched that uh called into the show with you guys from struggle session i'm a huge fan of you guys too oh thank, well, thank you so you. much i love i love uh especially jack's line in in the show complicated huh. where you're like we're talking about orange man, small hands here. Sure, sure. <laughs> Thank you. That's yeah, the That's very extended goal, poker right? scene where it's all Trump riffs and everything. <laughs> if you haven't seen Complicated, go to viewboo.com. And that comes from personal pain because that is what you would be I doing had, right now I had to do that for, for a very six long time. figures. You'd be making six figures doing those kind of jokes forever. That's true. You can. I, I could have done that. I could have been... And, you know, sometimes you think, you know, the six figures would have been nice, but uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, it does suck. It does suck to do those kind it's of things. It's not worth it. You yeah, trade in really so isn't. much. It really yeah, it really is. The part, that's what separates us because even talking to, like, uh, Sam Sachs when we were doing the 
Hellfire tour, he was he had a job before where he made like almost six figures yeah. and it was like DC socialite all of it and it was like this I'm not it's doing not, anything I want like not, I don't feel fulfilled it's it, not you it, know I'm not a part of it I'd rather just get by and and do something that is feels right to me yeah you know? I mean it is trite but and it like sometimes like takes getting there but you're like wow like money really isn't everything <laughs> like, I, no, like I, actually, I got there and I was like wow holy shit it turns out that that is correct well, and, a big, <laughs> and a big part about living in DC was like ha- living on less and being like wait I, I don't mind peanut butter and jelly for dinner right oh uh, you know once every couple weeks it makes yeah. sense it works and it's affordable and there's like if I can live on less I can beat this system that always requires right. us to have more especially with like you know with having a kid and wanting to like achieve and you're supposed to have like all of these signals that you're right. on the path. And it's like, well, if I avoid all of that, there's no headache involved <laughs> with, with chasing a BMW payment. I don't want to chase a lease on a BMW fucking ever. I was like, I listened to you on champagne sharks. Yeah. Okay. And, uh, I was very like, uh, when you talked about, you know, I, I wasn't making much money. And then I started actually making money and I got to this point where I'm like, I'm making more money that I ever thought I would make, but there is like nothing else for like every, you said I, there's other like, people. There's almost like no future in it. Kind of yeah. like you're making all this money and you look down the path of like, I'm going to buy this house and everything. But like it, I, I don't know. There is something that like, uh, uh, it's tough to even like put a finger on, but yeah, it's like, uh, um, I don't know if you're not making stuff that is it, exciting to you. And if you're the other thing about them making that you, kind of money is they know how much money you're making and they'll like, squeeze every bit of you for it when like, you i mean you know? and, and like you're a useful person like brian i've always said that my skills in marketing or viral content or whatever it is would be very valuable to like a company on any of the coasts or yeah. whatever and so you can slot your way in and just be a smart guy that has the right answers and that can deliver the thing and yep. they'll give you enough money that you're like, why would I complain about this? I, I you know, It feels ridiculous <laughs> to complain about this existence, oh, you know? I, you know, also for me, like we went through like the 20, the Trump election and like, and I, I quit the job before Trump was elected, but even just doing the year of the election and doing all Trump jokes for the entire year, I was like... I cannot right. do this anymore. <laughs> Not my I life. I cannot do this. How did I get I here? I can't make this like my whole all day, every day doing this shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you even like just even the freedom to be able to talk about whatever you want. Uh, that is something like that is thing. like so huge. Like there was something early on at the Kimmel show. And it's like not the biggest thing for me, but we'll talk shit about whatever I want to. But I wrote some joke. Okay. It was uh it was the day that uh um that I think that, you know, uh uh the gay marriage became legal like nationwide and there were, so there were a lot of posts from everybody being like deservedly, you know, this is such a good day for everyone, what good news and everything. And then also on that day there was a news story that um Jimmy Fallon like cut his hand open on glass or something. <laughs> I did a post on Facebook. I was like this is such a wonderful day, like it's such a good day for everyone and I linked the story with uh Fallon getting his hand cut open and the fucking producer of the Kimmel show sent me an email being like you can't post this stuff it was on uh, facebook it wasn't even on yeah, twitter it's like i was and like that was a very small early on thing where i was like i just am not my own man like yeah. you do trade in a lot you're you're trading in a lot for the money for sure anyway thank you for saying that nice thing about complicated <laughs> yeah yeah you're very welcome uh yeah no i love what you guys do i mean i just wanted to say like with comedy especially like i feel like comedy has made huge leaps with as far as like integrating politics into it in a in like a smooth way like it's like you don't you guys don't even have to be inherently political with what you're talking about but i feel like it's just like i enjoy the media that i'm consuming more so than like 
and stuff that I look back on as just like either void of politics or just like kind of cringy politics. Yeah, there's you know, a lot of cringy politics like, out there for sure. <laughs> Brett said one time to me, like when when we were kind of adjusting the material of the show after, like when we decided to make it our thing, it was like, okay, we can't do what Chapo's doing. We yeah. can't do what the District Sentinel radio guys are doing. What can we do that they don't do? And he said to me really early, because I was like worried about getting away from politics. Like I was like, should we get away from politics? Like horse race stuff? Yeah. And he said, when you, he, he was basically like, everything we do drips with politics. You yeah. don't have to talk about the normal stuff because all you have to do is like, you're just, you have an overriding, we have like a, a philosophy right. over our show that makes it so, it's political when it's not, it's, it's, it tries to be political when it's not being political. I mean, political. a lot of this stuff, like, you know, frankly, like, comes from ideology you know what yeah. i mean well, versus and... like a lot of what you see on television is kind of like i don't know i did it it's like there are certain joke formats that work for each of the sort of political characters and that's kind of yeah. how they do it versus this where it's like this is just what you actually believe and what is your ideology and so it kind of just is part of whenever you're talking about anything else like yeah. there are, i think what... that what it comes to is that you actually have belief on like a lot yeah. of what you see on television that's what like... makes a difference too and that's what makes it like when y'all talk about like pop culture stuff it hits in a way that comes from a place where like brian and i acknowledge that people watch zero dark 30 and that is the history of the bin laden assassination to them that is the story <laughs> of it so we like have to dive into that stuff and also accept it and then figure out how to un like how what is tangled yeah, up yeah. in all of that how is that informing everything else that's around us why that's why these people that i'm around are frustrating me is because they are <laughs> listening they are also you know just uh, drenched in that culture, you know, yeah. right? Of well, the yeah, media I mean, we've stuff. We talked about Twenty Four, the TV yeah. show Twenty Four, yeah. where it has warped yeah. people's brains yeah. to think that that's the situation yeah. that we're in all <laughs> the time. <laughs> yeah, I think the season Twenty Four is the most fucked up. Is when it starts on like a sort an Arab family like in Valencia, and for the first <laughs> three episodes, it's like what a normal family, and then they just are terrorists. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, the yeah. kid is the kid. Yeah, the is. kid is secretly a terrorist, and he's a terrorist because his best friend, who's white, mispronounces his name. <laughs> that, all the oh, time. That. It's okay, not I Ahmed. It's Ahmed. <laughs> I, yeah. and then that's like that for me. It's like uh, even realizing that, even realizing when you talk to people that aren't like kind of in our circle and stuff that like their politics are kind of formed by yeah. Jimmy Kimmel. I, I had this conversation recently about Joe Biden. I think part of the reason he's the front runner is because of the image of him that the onion created. I think they say that they too. The, say guy, that the, too. Guy, yeah. the guy who created that image for him, like wrote an op-ed recently being like, I fucked up in doing that. And like, this does not represent who Joe Biden is. And, like, and, and the thing is that changed how we talked about how liberals at least talk have talked about politicians since yeah because they do the same shit with kamala harris and elizabeth warren where and even hillary clinton too where it's like they're not just these these you know boring old people they're like cool and hip and like well, all the gifts of black women you use right. that's how they are so totally are and all this shit and like, nancy pelosi's being sarcastic oh, nancy Pelosi, <laughs> yeah, like that really fucked up like obama being cool and allowing that cool to trickle down to fucking square ass, <laughs> cop ass, 
bitch ass <laughs> Joe Biden <laughs> fucked us over immensely. Yeah, yeah, true. that's another part. I mean, that is the other thing you have to tap into is how much that culture has informed what we do, and like people that just accept that is like that's the candidate is whichever one is the coolest, right? <laughs> <laughs> whichever one we decide is the coolest is the most like Harry Potter. Yeah. All right, and let's to be frank. Like honestly, the people you know that do this entertainment, and I know you want to move on. Uh, do hang out with these politicians. You like yeah. mentioned Jimmy Kimmel like informing people's politics. He like has dinner with Joe Biden. He like told us all he went to dinner with Joe Biden and that like made me feel weird. <laughs> and it made him excited. It's I'm exciting sure. for him and his wife yeah. and they come in and they're like, How exciting we went to dinner with Joe Biden and I'm like I think that's strange that he wanted to go to dinner with you. <laughs> to be honest yeah. with you. It was like I remember when uh, Parks and Re- I used to watch Parks yeah, and Rec with my that. wife. She was a big fan of Parks and Recreation, right? And there was one night, and it wasn't Joe Biden, actually. It was Newt Gingrich. That <laughs> oh, was, my When they God. showed Newt Gingrich on there, and they were like, That's this is so just a cute guy. Like, Newt Gingrich yeah. doing a cute little bit yeah. at a table with Leslie I like Nope. That. I was like, I can't. I'm yeah. not going to watch this anymore. Yeah, most infamous Newt Gingrich is, like, for hating, like, women more than anyone yeah. in the 90s. Like, he just yeah. hated women. Yeah. So I'm sorry, caller. Did you have something you wanted to get in here before we walk all over you? No, I mean I'm satisfied with that that conversation. That was awesome. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thank we appreciate so it. Talking to you. Do you got a Twitter or a small business you're trying to get started? A small business. <laughs> yeah, I do actually. Everybody uh, does. Follow me on Instagram. Uh, at at Wonderbooks and at Wonderwares. That's my shit. Oh, I have. One. Oh yeah, I got one. Yeah, for one writing those. comedy sets. Yeah. yeah, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, so that's my thing. All yeah, right. cool yeah, shit. So I love that. Stuff. Go get it. They're good. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. I yeah, love Newt Gingrich uh, was on Tough Parks choice. and Recreation. Yeah. He so talked to Jerry. <laughs> like, Jerry on the show is like the character. Yeah, he's like dowdy and yeah. whatever. Yeah, I mean, that, and it's like we do have to, like, um, you know, I uh, was around a lot of people that were well-to-do and on the upward swing and dual income, no kids and all that stuff in dallas and dc and things like that and that really for them those people are just a part of the party it's like oh this cranky old newt you know him is just like he's uh, he's making those kids you know work after school to get their lunch money (laughs) you know a lot of the tv shows they just look at it like how they would look at booking anyone yeah like this person has a high q score that would be like a good booking for the show yeah how exciting with the stars yeah yeah how exciting and it's like they're all i mean that's what and and, and like in a way it's like i don't want to it's like you don't want to be the person that like tears it all down because you can see how it's enjoyable (laughs) then you have to remind them that it's like but wait these people are like really like the monsters these are the enemies these are the folks evil yeah yeah (laughs) these people have made decisions that we should be excommunicating them from society i agree with that hey what's up who's this Hey, it's Eminem Pop. How y'all doing? Why what is every time? Why does every time that I talk to y'all, I'm getting my laundry out of the laundry room? Well, it's like, every time when I'm calling in, every time when I'm calling in, I'm getting my laundry. It's just a coincidence that just keeps happening. I'm not mad about it. Really. It's because it's just, we make it's just it, how it goes. When you work, when when you're on the phone with us, you're working, and when you're working, and laundry is work. It's real work. I hate laundry. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, unpaid labor <laughs> it is un- it should be paid who i tried to pay my daughter my daughter wants to be paid to do the laundry now which i'm like but you know what that's oh yeah not yeah a lot hell of yeah work. you demand it that's no work. it's not it's, it's not enough it I'm, like loading damn. something into a machine and then something into another machine no. is not the type that, of work you get paid 50 bucks for no folding 
Fuck, All right, you the, have to the fold. good part about that though. When I'm about one, the good part about that though is like Gwen. Go ahead. Gwen is like leveraging her the, the the work that wants to be done and leveraging it to try and get a, a concession. So she's the worker and you're the boss. Oh God! Like, I, whenever I, I get like I, one, whenever I get through folding a third of a load of laundry, I'm like, oh fuck, this has been six minutes already, and I have to keep at it. It's going to be 18 minutes. I'm stuck <laughs> folding this right now. I'm trapped. Folding laundry is bad. My daughter, uh, here's the job opening that's in my house. Dishes. That job's opening. I will pay you $20 a week on top of the $50 a month that I just give you to do nothing to do my dishes every day so that I never have to do the dish. I like the fucking laundry. The laundry's my shit. Okay. It's relaxing. I can sit in front of the TV (laughs) and fucking fold the laundry. There's not many things that bring me the the joy and the peace of mind to actually sit in front of a TV and just watch it. There's no other chore that makes you watch TV. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You can't look at your phone. You're all in on TV. And that's what I like about laundry. I don't need her to take that away from me. Plus... Here's something people... It's what you paid for it. You, you pay me for that privilege. I know. <laughs> pay me so I have some free time so I can be forced to watch TV. <laughs> yeah. That's like my pay reward. Me for taking away your joy. Yeah, yeah. I've loved laundry since I... Be- went From the time I was a stay-at-home dad until this day, I love laundry. Is like just a, a thing I love. I, I don't know why... It's the I only chore. I love that, laundry. It's the only chore I get into. But well, why don't you, get, you marry it? <laughs> you get to talk to a bunch of drunks, right? Why you yeah. do it? But dishes here. This dishes is hell. Those are the pits. I I, I jumped in the first thing. I I before we even like formally split up in my family, before we even formally split up the chores. I'm like, and I will wash the clothes. Because yeah. it rocks in the dishes. You have to you have to touch used food, you and that's filthy. nasty. I don't mind that because it gets everybody close. Everybody it's, knows I'll flip out if they leave like a piece of bread in the sink. They know that like if I gotta touch a piece of bread that's been left in the sink, I'll flip no, out. No bread. Oh, wet bread is disgusting. Yeah, but they just we we make sure everything goes in the trash, and then it's just dishes in the sink. Because mm-hmm. like nobody. Here's the thing about the dishes in my house we've all talked about this before. Nobody wants me freaking out. So they make sure everything is set up so that they don't hear me muttering under my breath in the kitchen about how they left all the fucking (laughs) food on the dishes. Like the worst people on earth. Let me tell you some bad people, some like real, just low level scummy people are there's these people that go to restaurants, right? Yeah. And they use just, an amount of napkins, they, they should have brought a beach Yeah, cap. You know what I mean? <laughs> and what they do is they cover the plate with the napkins when they're done for some reason. They cover the whole plate so they can't see the food. And then they also take the rest of the napkins and stuff them in the water glass. And I don't know what utility yeah. that serves. I don't know why they're doing it. But oh, they're honestly the worst people in the fucking world. That's... Worse than the worst customer. There's nobody would do that if they had ever worked at a restaurant. <laughs> Never. I know. Never. Yeah. You're supposed to take all the like if there's a food with plate on it, if there's plate with food on it, 
You're supposed to, everybody else takes their food and dumps it on that top plate and just stacks up the dirty plates so that yeah. when the busser yeah. comes to the table, they yeah. can grab it, dump one plate off, and they got their whole thing set up. You, you know, they're not getting paid enough to... Well, and then, then there's other people who will stack all their plates, but they'll leave all the food on it. Mm. And you just have a bunch of mush food on the bottom and the top of, like, every plate. And it's, I, I, used to, I used to wait tables, and I used to do dishwashers, and, and I used to do busing. And I was just like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. Why are you just smashing this food with this other plate and then smashing it under another one? This whole thing's disgusting, people. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. People spit their old gum on a plate, too. That's sickening oh, yeah. to me. Yeah, if you're cleaning you, plates. These people cares. are barbarians. They're barbarians. Yeah, I just, I just. Anyway. So what's going on tonight, Jeff? Mm -hmm. we, we got six callers to get to. People are seeing us do well, it. Call, you mentioned Baton Rouge earlier today. I've been And here. what the hell were you doing going to Baton Rouge? Okay, so this was an important experience in my life. The reason I went to Baton Rouge was uh, my sister. I have an older sister that I don't talk about very much that mm -hmm. lives in Louisiana. And uh, I don't I don't ever see her. No, I, I probably see her two or three times, uh, not two or three times a year, every two or three years is like that kind of thing. And uh, she was getting married down there. And uh, it was she got married at a biker ball. Well, she got married in a goth wedding by a druid mm. at, at a cemetery. Right. And then that they got rocks. Yeah. That rocks, though. <laughs> yeah. I they got that. in a hearse and they we all followed the hearse to a uh, biker bar where they played goth music and I met my first drag queen in my oh, life wow. at this wedding. Okay. Nice. And uh why, why only ever get more fun in Baton Rouge than I've ever had in Baton Rouge. I yeah. used to live in Baton Rouge. <laughs> she got married in a red her she had a wedding dress and it was all red instead of white and then he was wearing like this really fly goth tuxedo. Oh. It was at the time I thought it was stupid. <laughs> Because I don't know, like, I expected him to, like, dress in skateboarder clothes. Oh, we're back. We're Brett's sick from patriotic there. energy drinks. It, pay, it made me feel a little woozy. I don't ever get those hardcore. I don't ever drink a lot of that. The, the, the bangs doesn't have as much bang as that thing had. Well, this Bad. is it kills you. This is killing ah. you. Bang made you feel good. Right. This Bang is, replenished me. I needed some BCAAs. That drained me with some sort of weird cough syrup. It needs it needed to have some uh what's it called? Um you know you can just taste these things though. It, we're just testing them for the show. You don't oh, have to drink shit. the whole thing. Yeah. But I was real tired today, so I thought I would give one a try. Jason, do you I want this? I haven't God, overdid geez. it on um I haven't overdone it on any sort of speed drinks on the air in a long time, so. Yeah. Remember when you took all those uh, trucker speed trucker speed for the show it just to bad. let us know what you and another guy we were doing on the old show? Those made me sick. Yeah, Jim, uh, Brett took a bunch of them. I <laughs> threw, threw up foam. I was throwing up foam all night. Like, we were at the bar, I would take a drink, and I would just be like, ah! And then it would just be like a tablespoon of foam would come the, out. It was for like... 24 hours that shit's going on. Re regular straight up original stacker three I can kind of handle, but like yeah. mini thins, the other the kind of stackers, jackets. all yellow that jackets. shit. That's what Brett took. I'm yakking them up. Yeah. 
Yeah, that was we, cool though. We that was got official yellow jacket. That was back in the day when we used to like do stunts. And I stuff. could have done one. I could. I was also was like, oh, we had real cocaine at the time. We had real rolls. We had real speed. So it was weird to go down to that. And I just was like, oh, I can do a bunch of this. And was like, no, that doesn't work like that. Maybe you're being. Maybe because you disrespect the troops so much, you drank this with the pledge on it, and it's poisoning. I you. think so. It's yeah, like your body is like, I can't handle all this patriotism. There's there's troop vitamins in there. Yeah. It just has patriotism in it, and Brett's body is it's, not immune to patriotism. It's made to uh, supercharge the McDonald's cells in your body, and I'm have I'm at a dangerously low level. Like I don't haven't had an American diet, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The beef hormones are supposed to get activated by that, and I yeah. don't have that. Well, I think it's just it has the Pledge of Allegiance on the side, and if you drink it and you're not s- sufficiently patriotic, it makes you sick. Well, so that's that's a stink. That's like if you say the pledge. You know how bad everybody. You feel? Let's just have a handful of double salt black licorice. <laughs> We're gonna keep that let's stuff forever. Party. We'll take it to the Columbus show and just throw it out to the listeners. Fucking <gasps> drop it in a menthol tobacco vodka shot. Why don't we take it? We're going to save it for the Columbus, the big Columbus show and let the listeners try it. Put a rubber band on that. Put a rubber band on that shit. Put that in the fridge like half of an energy drink. We're at one serving of an energy drink. We're at that festival this week and uh, they were selling these enormous bags of popcorn. And they were like, oh, you can't finish it here? Just put it in the old freezer. And I'm like, okay. No. That's weird. No. (laughs) (laughs) Popcorn's fresh. Like, that's just something you eat fresh. Yeah. <laughs> you don't. You don't freeze no, no, the popcorn. You don't, no, you're not going to eat all this now. Just freeze it. Just yeah. have pull out a bag of frozen popcorn. Wait for it to get to room temperature and start snacking again. They said put a bag, put it in a second bag, Stop. put the bag in Stop. a second bag, and Stop. then freeze it. And I was like, no, that's because you're a crazy popcorn person. Yes, that's because you have so much popcorn in your house. Like it's not even bad. I swear it's not. I mean, it's their life. They're it selling is. it. Right. They have a popcorn problem. They're just yeah. like, I just, I fucking like, love popcorn. It's I, like those. Like, uh, if you sell something, so, like, say you run, like, a salsa company. Right. You're just like, you can fucking eat salsa on ice cream. Absolutely. It's not a big deal. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, you can freeze this. You can freeze it. Save it for later. You can portion it out and have little salsa packets, right? Brett, yeah. We talked about something on uh, Twitter this week, me and the listeners, and, and on Street Fighters page about uh, about 50%, I think. Maybe now I've upped it from 40 to 50% of our listeners have sold Cutco knives or her, her Kirby sweepers, right? Uh-huh. Mm. And somebody brought, there were two it things that were brought up that would be good call-in show material or video material. You know, one of them is me and Brett should probably try to sell Cutco knives okay. together. Like, so want, you'll go, if they give you leads, I don't know what the original sales thing is. We should get the starter kit mm-hmm. and then get Wait. the leads and then you try to sell one, then I try to sell one, and then we film us trying to sell it and see who's who can sell. We can do it, okay. <laughs> and then the other thing we really would like, if you are a listener to Street Fight and you're in sales, feel free to call in and try your sales pitch on me and uh, you know we'll see how it is because I'm a weird dude that uh, will fall for anything most of the time from sales, you know, so... Try your sales pitch on me, you know? That seems fun. Would love a people helping people salesperson to call in, even though I don't think any of our fans would ever do people helping people. 
Yeah, we don't. We're not that cool. Did you hear who's speaking at their uh, convention? No. Let me get that up here for you. Because uh, you'd be impressed. They have like a real A-list celebrity guest. Hmm. List like I mean like the type of le- guest list that you wouldn't expect. Okay, George, here's George Clooney. Here's the 2019 <laughs> convention list. Transforming the industry. Yes. They have. The helping industry? Here we go. Yes. It's life insurance? We got one, two, three, four, five people. Queen okay. Elizabeth. Five people. Five. The five. The five. One, Patrick Bet David, who is the guy that owns people helping people. Oh, okay. We talked say, about him cool. once. I was like, oh, no, I don't know celebrities anymore. Okay. Number two, keynote speaker, Billy Bean. <laughs> He was the executive. He's the guy that the Moneyball movie yeah. was written about. Okay. He's Moneyball. Brad Pitt played him. Which, well, by the way, it's the first time I'm seeing Billy Bean. Looks nothing like Brad Pitt. Yeah. yeah. No one wants to look at Billy Bean for a <laughs> Billy Bean movie. Okay. So they have to get somebody better looking. Yeah, someone we can look at. Okay. Uh, this Some, is something. Yeah. This is level of importance. So we just did Patrick Bet David and Billy Bean. Okay. Right. Jordan Peterson. Number three. Okay. Uh, JP. The thing is about helping people. Is, <laughs> well, we really, we really uh, like to help. Th- those who help themselves are always going to dominate those who can't. <laughs> yes. Number three. Number four. This is a number four. You'll net. This is one that's not in your mind at all. Kobe Bryant. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is a fucking weird one. This is a good five. <laughs> The and power of five. Voltron was five. Yeah. The number one, and just shocking. This is as famous as as you can get. George W. Bush. So <laughs> The decider. <laughs> yeah. That's our keynote speakers for the People Helping People Convention. I'm going to repeat it. George W. Bush. Top. That is a top tier guest. This you is, how much this it, is an MLM scheme. You right? know how much it, yes! you know this, much it costs to book? A former fucking president? That is <laughs> wild. This dude's got a big pyramid scheme going. Yeah. The biggest. This is an MLM. George Bush, Kobe Bryant. You're paying for all of that. I know. <laughs> George Bush, Kobe Bryant, Jordan Peterson. Dang, saved a little money on having himself, you know? Yeah, of course. But then Billy Bean probably costs some money. He's yeah. probably not a cheap guy. No. That movie made about him. Right. I don't know how you get George W. Bush. I mean, that's probably what what Check. you think that costs for Paycheck. one day. Oh, for him, five hundred grand. I'm thinking. Is it five hundred grand? I'm so yeah, something like that. And it's taking place in Las Vegas at the Mirage Hotel and Casino. Oh no. And uh, okay. Well, I'm I'm glad to see uh, how many people a billion people are doing this. I'm guessing how many people are doing this. I don't think it shows that how, how many, many people went. That is. A lot of that is a huge part of society that is involved with that. Oh, look how cheap it is, though. It takes place from Monday through Thursday. Oh yeah, taking <laughs> <laughs> them off weekend raids. <laughs> Maybe if we weren't on tour, it, this is when we're going to do the big tour. It's at the end of July, man. If we weren't on tour, would, that would be something I would consider trying to make my way into because that is that is some fucking lineup right what do we gotta do just sell life insurance i think it says you can register now and it let me look at the register now let's see what it's selling life insurance that is 
That's the fucking dream. Oh, you got to put in your email address. Are they all five going to get together and do like a podcast? I want to see like them all rap together about something. I mean, I would like to see them do a panel. I want to see like, like I don't think they're doing a panel. I think each like one a of them gives yeah, a speech. That sucks. Do you think any of the five people that are speaking at this thing, other than the owner, knows what they're have talking have, about? Like have knows never, what the company they, is. These have, are standard have, speeches. Yeah, have never heard of it before. Being contacted, and will never think of it again. Yeah, they're, <laughs> they're just like, uh, well, I kind of got this thing about helping people, or you know how greed is good. So but, I'll just yeah. do that. They'll pay George W. Bush $600,000 to riff for 20 minutes. Yeah. See, the thing about helping people is yeah. that you have to to do it. It's well, good. Well, I might have tanked a whole baseball team, but I made a lot of friends. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say <But> this. Shit. <laughs> I'll, I'll say this. I have been to one of these. I went to the Americans for Prosperity thing Ooh. with Matt Christmas. And the speeches are fire are like super no they're oh. like well you love john taffer here's the thing. john taffer was great but i also i mean the other guys i saw speak were jeb bush and bobby jindal so oh. maybe it wasn't but bobby jindal like it was electric in that room like the people in the audience really? were fucking freaking out because they were seeing bobby jindal speak and i i was like watching people like nudge each other yeah. like daddy said that you know what i mean like that yeah. kind of vibe wild but uh yeah he's he's pretty big celeb in their world he makes the movies for them they can tell their kids about bobby jindal is that the guy that makes the movies no he was former governor of louisiana yes he was the governor of louisiana i'm thinking of dinesh d'souza yeah he he, uh they love him he he embarked on the the bold conservative experiment of what if we take our state university system and give them zero dollars a year (laughs) (laughs) right well bobby jindal or no, it's not Bobby. Jen- uh, Dinesh D'Souza once called me an ableist slur ah. on, on uh, Twitter one time because <laughs> I said something asinine like to him on the like internet. That. Well, you know. Let's get these calls in. All right. People want to talk to us. They don't want to hear ask us talk. Him, ask them about Kobe Bryant. Ask them if they think that Kobe Bryant, George W. Bush, Jordan Peterson is like an Ozfest sort of uh, lineup, I think. Yeah. He, I mean, just sitting down hearing kobe come out and just saying like you know hitting the sales floor is a lot like hitting the court you know <laughs> just saying shit like that is just oh i love it and they get paid a bajillion people are just eating it up eating it up how do we get on that speaking we gotta, we gotta do more bullshit man we got i told you i do more lying bullshit when, when you're in the paint with We're a customer just, <laughs> when you're we have in the- to get involved with something that only exists on paper and that we as people that can know the people at the top of the pyramid we can get the most of the uh, payout okay that's okay. how we make money okay yeah let's we're do gonna that. get these people that listen to the show involved in our pyramid scheme if they're below us we're making money i love the you know the other high high flying cool thing about this php convention is he put himself in like the owner put himself in with Billy Bean, Jordan Peterson, Kobe Bryant, and George W. Bush. Like he's on the same level he is. as them. I'd put my name above George W. Bush. I would have too. You, 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 you're, whole, you're bringing, you're doing your street fight festival. You're, you're going to just bring a bunch of people into headline. You're not going to be on there. Well, we would you headline it because it's the street fight festival. It's his festival, man. He made the damn company. He brought all the opportunity here. I don't know. I think if you're going for star power, though, right? I'm talking. You're talking about street fight. So okay. Let's do it like this. We do the leftist podcast festival. Uh-huh. 
would we really be headlining that? I don't know. See? But if we threw it, right. we would be up there near the top. Yeah, then we but would But I wouldn't call myself a keynote. I'd headline. Okay. Well, <laughs> no, I don't know. But you see what I'm saying, though? Like, if you want to... I mean, it's relevant. If the PHP wants to have a star-studded keynote speaker lineup, and then they put one guy in there that nobody knows... Like he's elevating himself. Don't they know him though? They're going I mean, mad I guess for his company, might. right? I guess they might. I okay. I, feel like I mean, I'm saying about optics from the outside. I uh, guess. I don't know. The guy seems to me like he's in the, he's in the center of the hurricane. Like he wants to be a celeb. Oh, he does. Yeah, he does that's a I YouTube mean. show. Yeah, yeah. He's ready, and he's getting all these people paid, and he just inserts himself right in there. You know, he's like, I guess I yeah, would Dr. Do Peterson is so right. You know, it's pheromones have a big part of whether you make sales or not. You know, and then he just goes into his speech about people helping people. I guess I'll go with. I I will agree with you that yeah, you just put yourself up there as a star and you become a star. Yeah, that's that's all it is, man. Creating superstar. Get him, he's got to get on Dr. Phil. He's got Dr. Phil next. He um, does a podcast. Oh, on YouTube. He's a worker, man. He also has a painting. Business Remember, man. he's the guy with the painting. Businessman and the MLMs. I'll, I'll find the painting while thanks, you take thanks this Thanks for calling Street call. Fight. Who are we talking to? Yeah, who's this? Hello, this is Bernie, Bernie Sanders, the independent senator from Vermont. I'm calling to tell you that I love Street Fight because this is one of the top one-tenth of one percent of all podcasts because it speaks to the issue of 99. You hang up? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, guy that did a bit. Sorry, Bernie. But thank you for saying it was good. I wish it was really Bernie Sanders. That was, oh, I, it was fuzzy. I couldn't hear it. Yeah, yeah it was, was too fuzz. hard. It was hear. hard to hear. Let's get the next call. Sorry, caller. Senator. Thank you for calling Street Fight. Who are we talking to? Hey, this is Emily. What's up, Emily? How are you? I am pretty good. I'm the one that sent you that book a little while ago. Yeah, this is uh, Emily Gundelsberger wrote the book On the Clock. That uh, that was so good. Yeah, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> We're doing it. Sorry, people usually don't get it get it right. Well, I gotta say, is um those I mean those fucking trillbillies they scooped us on this one. I feel you you made a big splash on their <laughs> show this week. I I was like reading about it and. Felt like I was missing out, you know? So I'm glad that you were able to call in this week. And I hope you didn't mind us talking about uh, the best way to fight people when you're naked. <laughs> hey, that well, happened I'm in a... send it to uh, my editor, and I, I am sure she will be entertained. That happened at a fast food restaurant. There's a, the article making a ra the rounds about uh, working at a fast food place that uh, I, I think you shared it on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, like Andrew Yang shared it, which was pretty weird. Yeah, yeah, a yeah. very a very very weird mix of people that are picking up on that one. Yes, yeah. So what was that? Yeah, that's a recent article that uh, that you put out there. What what did that entail for people that don't know? So so that was uh, like a sort of summary I did for uh, I think it was Vox um, about the the third chapter of this book I just wrote um, like that I worked in an Amazon warehouse for and then I worked in a call center and then I worked in a McDonald's sort of like a nickel and dime sort of thing but with like a focus on technology 
And how but much- actually, it kind of goes into what you guys were talking about earlier with like fight or flight sort of stuff. That was always the part that I had the most trouble with, like when customers would just like <laughs> just scream at you and like get right in your face. Like I have always like I think I mentioned this on Trailbillies, but I've always been like a fight person, even though yeah. even when I know like rationally that's a dumb idea, but like well- trying to suppress that is really hard and i don't know man did you do that when you worked at mcdonald's um you know you know i mean you know what that is that is that is very tough to be in that situation where you're undercover and you don't have to have this job you literally could just tell this person to go fuck themselves and uh, lose the job and it wouldn't be a problem um, uh, i i mean when i worked at it's exactly. real and it is also real weird to like it is hard to tell people no in those situations when you don't really care. Yes. Like, you know, when, uh, the call center job I had, I always I always think about that with the call center job I had where it was like, it was almost, a, it's impossible to get a manager on the phone at a call center. Yes. Like, if you work there, no matter the, and this is what always happened. Yeah, they when, don't want to be on the phone. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the whole goal of the whole job, right? It's like everybody in there is just trying to not be on the phones anymore. That's like the latter. <laughs> but I remember getting calls where the dudes would just like, it was always a guy and he would always just like, you tell him, lay it out. Here's why this can't happen. It's not going to happen. And they would just say that is unacceptable. And you would, I would lock up. It like it locks up. Cause you can't say, well, that's the way it is. So fuck you, dude. Yeah. If you need to keep a job. Yeah, like basically we're willing to let you go home sad today because we have to make sure this thing runs. Yeah, so you did uh uh what you did a call center, a uh you did a call center, a fast food restaurant and a yeah. warehouse? Uh yeah, Amazon, McDonald's and uh Convergence which doesn't really exist anymore. I think they got subsumed into a more giant call center company. That's so funny. The call center company I worked for was called Calltech and now it's called Teleperformance and before that it was called oh, something yeah. else. <laughs> like those call centers are really that that's an odd job to have. Um it really is. You were in a, so if you were in like a teleperformance, that was like a third party call center. Right. Yes. So it was, uh, I was doing technical support for dial up internet, uh, in the South, Bell South dial up internet. And it was, it was so shitty. Cause like most people in this time, this is 1990 or maybe 2000, 2000, nine 11 happened while I worked there. And, uh, most people didn't have two phone lines and you had to, like you were trying to fix their internet connection issues. So oftentimes they had to keep calling back and they would mm-hmm. just get more and more angry as they would call back. And plus, you know, one of the metrics they always pay attention to is how often somebody has to call back. So that also ends up getting you in trouble usually. Yeah, definitely. What was like, the- what year was that? Uh, uh, Sorry, what were you going to say? No, I was going to ask you, what was, what was the, uh, with, with the call center job, were there any, like, what, I mean, what was the call times for you? Like, what, what, what was the length of your call supposed to be? Well, we got a little, uh, we got a little pop up at 600 seconds that, that was yellow being like, remember, if you need help, ask a manager. And that was always just like, Ugh. 
just make you want to curse at the screen because, of course, there's like no manager around. Like they're not going to they don't want to take your call. <laughs> but uh, yeah. And then we got a, at 750. We got a red one. And I think 750 was uh, the maximum time we were supposed to be like on the phone. So you would hit like and then. uh but they that was always weird to me too. They would see me on a call for 13 foot. It was six minutes. And we get to 14 and a manager would come up and stand behind me for a second and be like, hey, do you know what's going on? And it's like, I thought this was a fucking average. You know? 600 seconds yeah, right? is I'm trying to die. I I I'm 10 minutes. Wait a minute. I, I think mm-hmm. Yeah, so you had 10 minutes. Um what kind of what 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 kind of support were you doing in the call center? I was <laughs> I was doing uh I was doing sales and service for AT and T. Oh my god. Which is like actually the the cell phone service that I have, but you are super not allowed to look at your own account, which is it kind of bummed me out because apparently there's there's like a number about like from one to five about how uh good a customer you are. Like if you call in all the time and ask for like if you pay on time or like if you call in and and like try and get freebies all the time like it gets sort of like noted in the score and i was desperate to see if i had a good score or a bad score or whatever i have a but, uh, yeah, I, I have a AT&T. two i'm a two what what do you guess you're at because <laughs> i i um, probably probably a four i always have been like well, I'm probably a five now because I swear, like, this, every time I have to call in now, like, I just, like, I just chat up, like, whoever is on the line and I, I say, like, uh, I don't want to hear a sales pitch. I don't want to hear a sales pitch. I don't want to hear a sales pitch because you technically had to hear it three times, like, specifically before you could ask. You could stop pitching them, like, some other service. <laughs> I then, have- I'm sorry, I've never heard that one. I I I, I might use. Oh that. yeah, try <laughs> it, man. That's uh, that's incredible. That that's actually yeah, that's actually was, really cool. Yeah, like yeah. If you actually that's a, that's the nice thing about having worked in a call center. Now I feel like I'm much less frustrated. I guess whenever I have to be on the line because a I know how fucking hard their job is, and b like. Like the the actual secret to to like really getting along with customer service representatives is just like so few people treat you like a human being that like at least I would do anything for like anyone who just was nice to me yeah. pretty much and so far I've actually had a lot of luck like like a uh, long story but the like a uh, Cops took my phone a little while ago, like last year, and I eventually finally called up AT&T. I'm like, hey, the cops took my phone. I don't know when they're giving it back. Like, nah. And she's like, I can just send you a new phone. I'm like, yeah? <laughs> For nothing? And she's like, yeah, sure. Well, okay. yeah, you're, yeah. you're totally right when, because uh, I, I, I worked at McDonald's and I also did the call center thing. I, me and, Beth, and I worked at Bath and Body Works Warehouse. So I've done the three things and like i think that the th- i i i think that the thing that those jobs they they do help you to uh they help you understand the the people that are doing it and the situation that the people are doing it are in and a lot of times you're right if somebody got on the phone and said basically if they talk to you in a way 
that gives you permission to be human, then you're willing to yes. go out of your way to do anything for well, those people. And I, you know, I'll tell you the big change for me, and this comes from just doing so much customer service and realizing that sometimes, you know, when I was doing the job to fix somebody's problems, it would be 35 minutes. But if we were like hanging out together and like really working on this thing together, it like they made my job easier. It was way easier. You know, I was more likely to give them a hookup or a handout. When people started ordering me around, it was when I started like repeating the the script. You know, that's when I started saying all of a sudden the rules matter. So when, you know, I've made a change in the way when I call into customer service and saying that like, I'm setting aside 45 minutes, I'm setting aside one hour, uh, and I'm going to be hanging out with a person on the phone to discuss my internet, to discuss my credit card, whatever it may be. And this doesn't have to be a horrible experience. And when you're going into it and you're saying, you know, thank you, Wanda, I appreciate that. You know, this has been a problem for me. Let me tell you why I don't like the way that things have been, you know, like you, you open up and you be honest to people and, and it's like so refreshing and so different than what you hear every, you know, hear from every other call as a customer service person that you do end up, that's when they're like, ah, normally there's a 595 processing fee, but like, we'll, we'll waive that today. You know, if you just go mm -hmm. out of your way to understand that it's like you aren't yelling at like a bureaucracy, you are, there is another person on the other side of the line that you can, you know, ha have some sort of understanding with for the brief period of time that you're connected. Yeah, yeah. So when you Yeah, were, that's sort of like... I'm sorry. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no, no. I, I just... <laughs> I, I keep cutting you off. I, I think there's like a lag thing that I... We haven't done a call-in show in like a month. So I'm like still getting used uh -huh. to back, getting back to do it. But um, when you worked at... Working at McDonald's, uh, you, you said you were focused a lot on uh, automation and things like that. Uh, I worked there in 1995 or 94 or something like that and it was already pretty automated as far as like the way you the way everything was done was very assembly line they were already kind of using technology for the for the um fries and and the meat you just put a hood down and and let it pop back up and and that was how you knew the meat was done um but at that time there was a need for um there was a need for cashiers. There was a need for the people to run the food. And uh, have did how has it changed? Like, what what is the role of the person at the front of the store now? Yeah, is there RFID? Are they tracking like every movement that you do? Has GPS come into play and cameras and all of that? Like, how <laughs> how controlled is it? Uh, that, well, that was like less of a thing. Well, it, when I was doing it, I did it in, uh, like downtown San Francisco, like sort of like with, within blocks of all these huge tech companies and stuff. And, uh, wow. so they in San Francisco were like sort of in the midst of, of switching out all of their, like all, all of their cashiers for touchscreens. Oh, so there would be just like a big old row of touchscreens and then like, one person, sort of like those, like ch like check yourself out stations at yeah. the grocery. Yeah, it's pretty. It's just like one person manning five things. Right. Yeah, that's become pretty common and now. Recently, I went inside one of I went uh, went inside Taco Bell, and I actually had a moment. And this is like, I mean, this was me being easy, but it was an older lady that was running the cashier, and I just went up there and was like. 
I really don't like messing with those machines. I feel like I don't do it right. And she was like, I feel the same way. <laughs> and I was like, fine. Thank you. Can I please just tell you what I want and you punch it into the machine because you know what you're doing. I really don't like, I really don't like the machines. Nah. And I mean, that's another, like, just when I was working at McDonald's, just, I would do again, kind of anything for people that like, I would see on the regular who would just like treat me like a human being. Uh-huh. Like there was this one dude that always came in and would like kind of jokingly hit on me. And like, I still remember his like weird order that he got. He always got like half Sprite and half fruit punch. And I will never forget it. Because <laughs> you felt validated. Nice to me, man. Yeah. Yeah. You felt validated by that person. It was like, he was like, damn, I mean, you really got something going for you. Yeah. I mean, like, well, I'm trying to get this McDonald's, but I'm also like trying to go on a date. <laughs> I, I think, I, I, yeah. I mean, that is also a weird thing about, uh, about working at a place like McDonald's is, um, kind of the way the customers can like that interaction is such a strange thing for people that have never worked with customers and a job like that especially at mcdonald's where you do not know what you're getting like there is a line if there's a line of five people there is a line of five completely different experiences that you have to figure oh, out yeah. as you run through yeah and and ring these people up and that's such a high amount of pressure and it really frustrates me that they consider that job unskilled labor because I I think it takes a tremendous amount of skill to run a drive through to 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 work. It, it, McDonald's is one of those places that uh, you know I've done some shitty jobs. I, I I did industrial roofing in November, and and the only job that I still have nightmares about is McDonald's. Like it, that was the hardest job like I've when ever you get, had. Like when you get a real. Yeah, like when you get like a rush going and like you just cannot get out of it. Yeah, I absolutely know what you mean about that one. You get up and you're fill. I will wake up sometimes and and just in a sweat filling drinks. Like that is the thing that used to get me is when you're running the drive through yeah. and you're working in the drive through. You're responsible for all the drinks and you're responsible to make sure the food's right and you're responsible to talk to the person at the window. And at the one I worked at, you were also responsible for the money and all of that stuff. It was like it wasn't parceled off like that. And it was just this really high pressure thing that when I think about it now, it wasn't unskilled work at all. I, I never saw I never saw the reason why they call these things, wh why these jobs are denigrated, because they're jobs that need to get done, and they're jobs that are not easy to do, and not anybody can do them. You know? <laughs> because, yeah, like fast food is really hard. So, so what? So what, what exactly was your position? Were you part of like uh, food production, or I was on register. Register. So we you... didn't have like a drive-through or anything. Yeah, and like so it was just foot traffic. Like the the, the, the store I was in was like real high traffic, and like I've worked register jobs before, and sure. you know it, it's pretty easy. Like it comes back real fast. Yes, and someone someone in the chat wants to, to, to stress that you do not recommend flirting with cashiers though, right? Oh no, no, no. <laughs> only in a only in a way that is clear that you don't actually mean it. No, yeah. And I know what you mean. I mean I have I have some of those interactions sometimes where someone is just like in the middle of hell and like wants to be fun and flirty for ninety seconds with me to like get away from, you know, 
doing burgers and shit, but is like fully going back to sludging through like a, you know, a, a drive through rush. I mean, it is a challenge. Yeah. How, so, uh, did you and talk? I'm sure like anybody in the chat that knows like that, who's a woman who's done food service is familiar with that. Like, I don't know. There's like this weird asexual flirtation where you call like people hun and, you know, darling and stuff like that. Like nothing overtly. It's kind of like almost maternal flirting in a weird way. Sure. Yeah. No, I, um, I mean, it, I, I don't, I mean, I don't, you can't say anybody should do it, but sometimes it does come off in the right way. <laughs> that's, that's how I always yeah. feel about it, you know? Yeah. I do not recommend people try it. Right. It's one of those things you're born with. I yeah, think. Don't try it. But, uh, if you pull it off and don't get slapped in the face or get in trouble with the law, then you might have something going. <laughs> <laughs> can I, can I ask you, uh, in the three jobs you did, the two of them were like super customer service heavy, and the other one was less focused on customers at, at the warehouse. And uh, what, which, <laughs> which did you find that maybe you could have done? For me and Brett always talk about like there are jobs that we've had in our life that we could have done forever that probably weren't considered the best jobs, but. If they paid enough, we could have just kept doing it and we would have been just fine doing that. Um, did you find it more difficult to do the more customer service oriented job or jobs or the uh, warehouse position? Uh, warehouse, because you weren't allowed to. It was an Amazon warehouse, so you couldn't bring in anything that Amazon sold. Oh. And so you couldn't. Like, I was a picker, so I was, like, out in these, like, crazy, you know, shelves, like, that went on in all directions. Like, you would, you couldn't see the end of them. Did and the paths that they, like, make you walk around the warehouse to find, like, object to object, like, they're pretty clearly meant, like, not to let you get real close to anybody, usually. Or at least at the one I was in my experience. It, but it was just, like, in incredibly lonely and monotonous and it really yeah it really started getting to me after a while yeah i did i did um uh, the abercrombie and fitch warehouse so in in ohio was huge for a lot of those mall brands like uh, most people are a lot of people are making a good living working in warehouse doing like gap express bath and body works victoria's secret abercrombie and fitch hollister all of that stuff and uh, that's where i got started but like and i was doing I was reloading the pick and pack stuff and it was only like two of us mm -hmm. that could do it. So it would just be eight hours of me in my headphones, like in these empty halls, just like these huge gigantic aisleways of boxes, you know, and I would just be pushing my way through and, uh, and not see someone all day. But I wanted to ask how, how much did they scrutinize you coming in? Because we got to the point where, they assigned us clear purses and everything that you wanted to be bring onto the floor had to fit into this clear purse because they didn't want people bringing like book bags from school or whatever it may be to their job. Well, they didn't really scrutinize us very well. I figured out after about the second week that their security system wasn't real. Like, wow. See, uh, I, I did that too. I made a lot of money after I figured that out. <laughs> I just sewed a, a little MP3 player into my hat so I wouldn't lose my mind. But, oh, yeah. 
That's some junior high shit. That's like when I was a, I used to cut in the corner of my hoodies. I would cut a hole in the like pocket so that I could feed my um feed my headphones up into the corner into my ear when I put my hoodie on. No one could see I was listening to music. You know, that's so great. Mm-hmm. Or put it up this put it up the sleeve of my you know put it up my sleeve and then lean on my hand and listen to it. I mean that is, that is <laughs> it is awfully sick. It it it, it takes like kind of a a. a I don't know what kind of person expects people to go to a place and not have any music, any human interaction or do anything but work for the entire right. eight hours they're there. But, you know, with, with Amazon, they can just. It was like 11 hours. Oh, oh you were doing 11. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And you had metrics. I mean, how tight were the metrics? Did oh, you, did you feel? Oh, my God. <laughs> I was going to say, let me tell you about the metrics. There was a, uh, you carried around this little handheld scanner. It was like something out of a grocery. And uh, so you had to scan something for like every segment of every task that you had to go find. It was like a four scans for one item or something. Wow. So and like from box every time to, oh, wow. You, okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Yeah. So like every time you scan something, it would give you the next thing that you needed to do. And then there was this bar at the bottom that was, and it would just start ticking off the number of seconds that you had left to do it. It, it was, it was a lot. Ooh, <laughs> it was like that. It was like chain. Yeah. That's scary. That's, and then, yeah, if you didn't make it, then yeah, if you didn't make your numbers, then someone that you know, sounds like find you. I don't know. I mean, this is an old person thing at this point, but in the, in the TV show lost, there was a big part of the show, and the premise was that there was a code that had to be punched in every, you know, certain amount of time or everything blew up. I would feel so – I would have so much anxiety about seeing a countdown clock for my next thing. You know, like you step on a oh, shoe yeah. – you step on a shoelace, you fall over, you bust your hand, you're watching the countdown clock on your RF gun go down. Right, and at places yeah. like that, nobody thinks about I, – I mean – People don't really think about at, at a place like the Amazon warehouse, like you there is turnover and you do see people fired quite often when you work at a place like that. So nobody really feels secure. And, and that job, it can really turn you into like an anxious uh, well, like it's, it's 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 just everything about the job seems designed to create anxiety in its employees. I mean, and also the, you're right. And the people that are there is like, well, it's like whether or not you can cut it. They're it's like, I don't know. Like it's backbreaking. It's exploitive. It's, it's requires a lot, but some people can do it and some people can't. And those of you of us that can are here doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a lot of people there, and this was like before 15 an hour, like a lot of people were like, yeah, this pays better than, you know, what I can get in my town in like, you know, Southern Indiana. Yeah. I mean, I'm somebody that's athletic enough uh, that doesn't have the degree. I don't have a college degree that I need to find something that breaks into the above $15 an hour range. And that, I mean, that that's an opportunity for me and a lot of other people couldn't do it and they shouldn't be do it. Like we shouldn't be expected to work that high. And that's why I, I abstain from being a part of the workforce because I would be too good at it. Oh, and yeah, I would it. fuck up the curve. <laughs> well, and that's the thing when you work at a warehouse, one of the interesting things about working at a warehouse is, is the, the, uh, the uh, distance people travel yeah. to get to work at a place like that. Is that, is that something you notice when you, you were working at the Amazon warehouse? 
Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, I, I had a 45-minute, um, well, I guess it was an hour and a half total a day commute. And, uh, yeah, plenty of people were coming from much farther. Yeah, like, we, yeah, like I knew a girl that, that did an hour each way. It was just like, damn, that is a lot of your life. When I worked yeah. at the Abercrombie Warehouse, we had people that came from Athens, Ohio, Ohio University. And it's over an hour. But there was like four of them that were all f- buddies that like just decided that they were going to go get a payday up in Columbus, Ohio and drive it every single day. And it was – I couldn't believe it. Yeah. I mean transportation is like a really big thing. Did you see – especially in jobs like the ones you were doing, the, the precarity of the transportation and stuff. Did you did you kind of see a lot of that stuff? Because, I, I mean, one of the things when I worked at McDonald's and when I worked at uh, – the warehouse and anytime I worked, basically if I worked at a job that was minimum wage, there was always people getting fired because their car didn't work. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah that Well, that wasn't, it was, uh, it was more like, I didn't have the chance to get to like meet that many of the people that like I worked with at Amazon because like, like I've done physical jobs before and what, but I was coming like, off a white collar job so the first couple weeks i was just too grumpy to like talk to anybody (laughs) like i don't i I don't care about anything i hate everyone i hate everything in this warehouse (laughs) how shitty is that that you're fucking writing you're like i'm a i'm an author why this is i i know how you feel sometimes when i'm like when when i have to do one of the grunt work sorts of things for this job i'm like i'm a podcaster why am i doing this Yeah, it was more of just like my body hurt too much to like <laughs> yeah. smile at anybody. <laughs> I was just like, uh, I can't even manage. Well, that is, that is a good road to head down, though, is that I mean, what did inspire you to do all of this? I mean, ha- have you always been interested in things like this? Was it an epiphany you had? Uh, what's your history? Well, I was working at a at a newspaper um, and I had just done this big story where I'd been like, so I don't know if you remember back when Uber used to like promote that like they said the like average driver or whatever made ninety thousand dollars a year. Yeah, do you remember that? Because I was driving for Lyft at the time. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. So I would say probably not ninety grand a year or ninety thousand dollars a year. <laughs> no, it's like it's it's closer to zero dollars an hour. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's kind of well. I found I, it was. I think I, the, so the, I did the it first for- person that rented out their Cadillac Escalade probably made ninety grand a year, but after that, never again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did that for I don't know. It just seemed like it was obviously bullshit. So I tried to fact check it other ways, and was and kind of people just don't keep good enough track of you know how many miles they're going, how like how much their car is depreciating, how much we're spending on gas and stuff like that. So yeah. I just figured out I'd go and get that data myself. So I did it for a couple months. And uh yeah, it was a it was like a big hit or whatever. And so I got to but what it, I mean if you if you've done Lyft and I'm assume I never did Lyft, but I know Uber's like driver end uh like platform was like very like pointedly manipulative in in the same sort of way that the the Amazon like second by second countdown was 
kind of manipulative to get you to go faster. This one was like trying to manipulate you into taking rides that weren't necessarily, you know, in your actual best interest. Yeah, you couldn't. I, I you you didn't turn right. The lift app doesn't let you turn anything down. Yeah, they they punish but the, you. But oh, really? And, yeah, and the other side. Yeah, because there's a certain amount that like you have to accept every single ride. You're not allowed to turn. There isn't like a button to turn the ride down. But uh, I actually have a famous uh, tweet of of something that happened to me was like my my avatar was hilariously bad. My my uh my lift avatar was maybe the. It, it just looks real bad. It, it looks like a fucking, you're getting picked up by a murderer. I swear. And I, I don't know why they wouldn't let me change it. And it just looks so bad. And, uh, people would call up to get me and I would be the only one in the area and they would, they would get me cancel, get me cancel, get me. Can- so I would always be halfway to their house and I would have like nine cancels from the same person. But I wasn't allowed to do the same thing when their crazy avatar came up. I yeah, like, no, I don't want them. They just buy a book by its cover. Because there were times I, I lived near Ohio State University campus, and I would be driving somebody from a bar on one block to a bar on the next block. It was just like a distance they definitely could have walked in four minutes. That doesn't. I don't want to do that. Like, why? I I want to. I, I if I'm doing this, I want to make money doing it and uh it, it's so hard to figure out how to make anything doing it so so part of me thinks that you can't really let people decide what rides they're gonna get i guess because that opens up the door for you know people to turn i mean basically racism is what i think <laughs> but like um yeah there's got to be a way that you can because you're you're totally right and they don't tell you the name of the car they don't tell you the uh they don't they don't tell you the route before you pick them up either so you wouldn't even know where you were going anyway yeah like that's the thing that so all right so uber and lyft business model only works if their drivers are like independent contractors or like freelancers or whatever and there's actually this like test like to test whether someone's an independent contractor or a freelancer. And so I got real fr- like fascinated with all the, like basically if you, if the company has like can control the worker, if they can tell you what to do, then they're, you're supposed to be an employee, not a contractor, like a contractor is like, you know, a plumber or whatever. And like, I just got super fascinated with all of the ways that that, uh, like the, the app that the drivers use, like has this incredible amount of control. Like you, you're doing exactly what they want and it's just not really possible. And no one really sees that. I think who uses it very much. Um, like, especially not, I don't know, policy makers or whatever. They're not driving for Uber. They don't know like that. These people are clearly, you know, they, they're not like freelancers. They're not like able to accept and turn down jobs. They, they just, you know, get command. They can also make you work. Like they, uh, I know right before I got kind of out of doing Lyft, 
It was like the last weekend I was doing it was the weekend of the Ohio State Michigan rivalry game. And they had a policy where you had to pull a certain amount of hours over the weekend or you would be suspended for two weeks afterwards. So that gives you. Yeah, that's you exactly have to the, do same, that. the type of shit I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You get if, if like it because it, it then becomes your job. So yeah, I I uh, I I am with you. So you went you you wrote about Uber in, in the control of their app, and then uh, that is that sort of what gave you the impetus to to the, the idea to start you know working these other jobs for this book. Yeah, I just got really interested in sort of the ways um, you know technology has made it possible to have like this incredibly tight control over low-level workers from a place like way up high, I guess. Like, because even, like, even with fast food and, and, and stuff like that, like, lower management doesn't really have that much ability. Like, they don't have mm-hmm. that much agency either at this point. Like, they, you know, make up the schedules around what, you know, an algorithm tells them uh-huh. to do. And, yeah, like, it's, I don't know. It's very interesting, but, yeah, like, Technology has been really kind of screwing workers over, and well, I mean, a lot the, of different ways. <laughs> the thing, I mean, it, we we got the thing about it is that you know, with the algorithms, they can choose to skew them in a way that screws people over. Um, there really doesn't need to be a lot of mu- there doesn't need to be a, like a board of directors and much more going on than uh, figuring out a fair rate, figuring out an algorithm that pays for somebody that's willing to drive people around to have their insurance covered and their car covered and all those things and go and pick you up. And, uh, you know, uh, beyond that, there doesn't, there's no reason for someone to make a, a billion dollars off of doing that, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I want to thank, I, I want to thank you for like calling the, in. Like all the money that the, the owner of Uber is taking is, you know, it could be just distributed amongst the drivers. Like we could pay a higher fee. We could pay, you know, three or four dollars more and have it go to the person and, and get rid of the top level of it, you know, and, and have it work perfectly fine. That is true. Yeah, um, it's hard to build a platform like that. It yeah, is. I, I mean, know. No, that's the, like, always the problem. I'm is getting crazy. We I, always I had think a dab in the middle of when you were talking. At I one think. Point. I think of that with Patreon too. I mean, I think about it all the time. It's like, man, if we could just get these apps so that we could cut them out, it would be the best thing. And that's communism. I want a billion. I want enough money to just like smash these people out of existence. Well, I I want to thank you. I just want to use their own weapon against them. I first of all, I want to thank you for writing the book because like part of the central tenet of this show is that if people don't know what's going on in these places, then they're not going to be outraged about what's going on in these places and uh, getting the stories of, of real workers out, not, you know, a, a story about how, you know, like most stories that you hear in the news are not about low-wage workers or people that work kind of at the bottom of the chain. And uh, I really, it's it's really cool that you did this. You went through the work and that you wrote the book. And uh, I, I really appreciate you calling the show. Yeah, and, w- and what's the best way to find find the book and, and to go support what you're doing? Um, Your local independent bookstore. It's, you know, it's from a major publisher, so it is out like wherever um, including Amazon, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, but local, you, you, local bookstore is probably the best, you, but you know what? Jump on public transit, take a little walk, go to that cozy little independent bookstore, 
go by on the clock and give it a, give it a, the support that it deserves. And uh, thank you, Emily, for following us. You can you're on Twitter at Emily G E M I L Y G E E, right? Uh huh. And thank you guys for doing the show. Like it honestly, like I had to work Szechuan sauce day at McDonald's. And afterwards, I was just sort of looking all over the, like, all over the internet to just, like, find any, like, any coverage of, like, how bad that day sucked if you worked at McDonald's. It was horrible. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But I couldn't find anything. It was just, like, it was, like, Chapo and nothing. Like, we're thinking about it from the point of view of workers. It was all just, like, oh, like some idiot drove uh like six hours and didn't get her Szechuan sauce isn't that a shame i like no know, no it's not i hate that woman i hate everyone who showed <laughs> up for that <laughs> i wanted to write i actually wanted to start a campaign where everybody that worked at a movie theater when avengers endgame came out got a hundred dollars <laughs> but i couldn't figure out how Seriously. to make it happen <laughs> yeah how to get people to prove they work there and sign up for a bonus people's bonus All right. Thanks, Em. Uh, Yeah. Thanks for your show, guys. Thank you.